Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun, friendly host. We're in episode 24 of season three, the very best one yet. We have two special guests on today's podcast. So I'll keep the introduction short. I'm going to hand it off to my sports marketing intern, Davis Johnson, to lead us in with our interview for today. Thank you so much, Kelly. And with me today, I would like to introduce Harrison Larner and Matthew Coronado. They are co-founders of Eight in the Box Productions, a company looking to help college athletes grow slash build their brands and to help capitalize on the new name, image, and likeness rights passed in NCAA. And they also happen to be Northwestern students just like me. Matthew and Harrison, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing really great today, uh, Davis. We're in the middle of a lot of uh, really new and exciting things. So we're really just hyped to uh, be start start rolling this uh, fall quarter. For sure. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, great. Before we get into the main questions, I want to ask you guys to uh, briefly introduce yourselves and uh, what you guys do with your company and on your daily grind. Yeah, so uh, I'm Harrison Larner. I'm a rising junior at Northwestern. I'm a journalism and entrepreneurship student. And then I kind of run the business side of the company. Um, and then Matthew is head of content running that side of things. Yep. And I am, uh, as you said, Matthew Coronado. I'm also a rising junior in communications and history. And I am the head of creative at Eight in the Box Productions. I work mostly on editing videos as well as coming up with ideas for the student athletes. Okay, and uh, for Eight in the Box Productions, there's something you've really, really started working on, especially this summer. What is it? What is it you guys do on your daily grind with the company? What is a day in the life like for you guys? Yeah, for sure. You know, at this point, um, we're very much still trying to find the right people for the team and you know the right athletes for us to work with. For people, you know, find the right people on the team. It's like reaching out through our networks, but it's also you know online, you know job applications. We put up one on LinkedIn and it got way more than we could have ever possibly expected. So it's figuring out, you know, who are the right people to hire, who are the right people um, to bring onto the team. We definitely want to have, you know, diverse in terms of like experiences and backgrounds, just because, you know, that's the type of people like we're going to be working with. And we want to have, you know, different employees who can connect with different types of athletes, which will help us a lot. And then second, it's trying to find the right athletes for us to pair up with. Um, and that's, you know, in some cases, they're pretty hard to reach if they're a little bit bigger. So it's kind of getting creative, you know, tweeting at them, uh, you know, joining in on their live streams, you know, getting a cameo with them, trying to reach them any way we can and show that, you know, we can provide value if, you know, we can figure out how to work together and see if they also agree with that and make some awesome video content together. You talk about figuring out how to provide, how to provide value. More so on that, how do you pitch yourself to athletes, you know, and how do you develop unique strategies for expanding the brands of different athletes? Yeah, so like mostly our biggest pitch to athletes is that we understand that they don't have a lot of the resources that we do in order to create this type of content. 
And those resources include things like time. Student athletes are just, you know, they have, they're very short on time because of the schedule that they have to live by. And then also the expertise in terms of uh, the editing softwares like Adobe, me and Harrison both have expertise in these type of things. And then thirdly, just the knowledge of how to um, run a social media channel, like a YouTube channel or an Instagram page or a TikTok page. Student athletes might not have the time to learn the ins and outs of everything that you have to do in order to grow very quickly on these sites. Me and Harrison have spent the time to learn that so we can help them navigate that. And that's the kind of value that we bring. Okay, and you, you talk about, uh, you know, having experience with YouTube channels and stuff. Before you guys entered this uh, name image likeness space, you guys produced YouTube content, you know, about kicking, uh, kicking videos, uh, kicking analysis. What was your ultimate motivation for switching into the name image likeness space? And what was your ultimate motivation? Yeah, so the kicking YouTube channel, I mean, it was going well. It was growing at like sort of like a linear, you know, kind of very calm pace. Matthew and I like really kind of did a whole pros and cons list and figured out, you know, while this is fun, like we enjoy doing this, we're growing. And we realized that the potential upside of that compared to working with student athletes, it was not even close. You know, if we could connect with the biggest student athletes, help them grow. And additionally, you know, I think something Matthew and I really just like enjoy, like on a personal level, is helping people out and helping them grow. And that's like a lot more fulfilling to us, you know, instead of us like being the stars, helping other people who in the past, you know, have been taken advantage of by these universities and like kind of the entire NCAA system and helping them out, you know, as they can really focus on their performance on the classroom or on the field or court, but we can help them on this side of things was like really enticing to us. And, you know, we noticed that in terms of our competitors in the space, a lot of them have a lot of experience with connecting student athletes with brands, but there aren't a lot of people who have that background of being creators themselves, you know, being like video creators, growing an audience on these social media platforms, especially on TikTok, like it's so new. I mean, you see these like billion plus dollar companies and they have these TikToks accounts that are like extremely out of touch just because it's so new. They're fighting through, you know, so much hierarchy to even make a single content decision. So a lot of them aren't able to help out student athletes the way we are because we're, you know, the target audience for a lot of them. And also we really understand these platforms because it was our life for, you know, I've been doing YouTube ever since middle school um, and like really thinking about how to retain an audience, you know, focusing on click-through rate, all that type of stuff to get them as many views as they can. So you've mainly helped athletes grow through digital content production. How are you looking to expand your influence and what you offer to these athletes? Yeah, so we have a lot of things that we, um, you know, have thought of, of what we want athletes to kind of look into doing, especially with NIL. One of those things is um, kind of what Harrison was alluding to, which is partnering with brands and doing content deals with them. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, within one of the student athletes vlogs, they might advertise a product. You, you've seen these type of ads on YouTube where the person who's actually in the video is presenting the product. And then they could also do things like film real commercials for local businesses or, you know, chain restaurants or things like that. So they can find different ways of revenue through that. There's also the option of, like Harrison was saying, doing a cameo or setting up a Patreon so that your fans can directly support you. That's an option that um, not every student athlete has because of the followings that they um, might already they might already have, but some athletes do have that option. Okay, and more so talking about this, what is the most thing? Most, what is the most important thing you've learned so far 
as you venture into this space, like you said, it's, it's, it's a completely new space and you guys are really just getting into it this past summer. Uh, but what is one important thing that you've learned at this point? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing we've learned is the importance of strategic partnerships. I don't know. I'll just speak about myself here is that I think sometimes like I can do everything or like Matthew and I are able to do everything all by ourselves. And it's abundantly clear that that's not the case. And through partnering with different brands and people who are in different sides of the business than us, you know, if we're able to form a mutually beneficial relationship, then we can grow together and kind of having that mindset. Um, and the second thing I think we've both learned is having an open mindset towards the space because it's so new. You know, one week we might be doing one thing, another week we might be working with a totally different client doing a totally different, you know, side of the business uh, and being adaptable. And it helps because it's just, you know, the two of us at this point, hopefully by the time the podcast comes out, it'll be, you know, five or six of us. And that's still like a pretty small team that's able to be really adaptable, really flexible and move fast. And moving fast in a space like this when you know there's huge news coming out you know every single day you know there's you know we see athletes becoming millionaires before they play a single game uh, which is absolutely crazy but also really exciting for us great and uh, in your opinion when you talk about how athletes are becoming millionaires before they play uh, any games in your opinion what does the future of nil and collegiate sports look like and what trends are you anticipating in the space and how are you position yourselves to anticipate uh, these trends? Yeah, so me and Harrison both really, you know, heavily believe in the expansiveness of the NIL space and where it can take college athletes. We think that any college athlete with, you know, like a mid-sized social media following can make a good amount of money um, with NIL. You know, not everybody's going to be able to make million dollar deals, but there certainly is enough money out there. And uh, I think the fan bases are strong enough to support a lot of different student athletes. And I also think that the the future of NIL is one where, you know, athletes who maybe wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, otherwise uh, gain profit from their likeness during the four years in which they can play sports, um, they might be able to now, which is really great. Me and Harrison have both or both think of student athletes as, you know, a group who deserve to be able to monetize their rights because it's something that's been taken away from them for a very long time. And so we think that this law is, um, you know, has been a long time coming and now athletes are finally going to be able to profit off of their likeness, which is something they should have been able to do really from the beginning. And I think another thing um, that's that's new with this space in a lot of ways is there's this misconception that the only people who are going to benefit from this are the, you know, men's basketball and men's, you know, football players at huge schools. And while they absolutely will benefit from this, um, there's that misconception that other people in smaller sports, women's sports, aren't going to be able to benefit from this, you know, mainly because if you have an, you know, if you have an audience on social media, you have an audience on social media. In the Elite Eight um, in March Madness last year, eight of the most 10 followed people were on the women's side for basketball. And having, you know, a lot more parity amongst student athletes on social media creates a lot more monetization opportunities for anybody in any sport, regardless of the size of school. I mean, the, one of the most followed student athletes um, is a football player for Elon University. And, you know, in terms of like fan following, you know, in a non-social media world, that's extremely unlikely to happen. But if you're cultivating an audience through those platforms, there's a lot of high schoolers who look up to anyone who plays college sports, especially, you know, if you're like a volleyball player and you see college volleyball players absolutely crushing it, 
you know, maybe you aren't quite as interested in like the big time sports, you know, quote unquote, who are getting, you know, millions of TV views. Like you want to, you are looking up to the person who that's the place you want to be in two years. And that connecting with that audience is extremely valuable. And that's one thing I've learned as, you know, as the space has sort of expanded is that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be the star football player or the star quarterback uh, to really capitalize on something like this. A lot of it is your, your own brand building and uh, how, how, like how many followers you have on social media, which is way more important than uh, how good your team is, how good you are uh, necessarily in this space. Cause it's all about, you know, brands uh, partnering with you to get exposure. Right. So one more thing I wanted to ask before we uh, get into maybe talking about your entrepreneurial mindsets is what is one piece of advice that you'd give to athletes that are looking to build their brands, especially on social media? Uh, what is maybe one strategy that you learned that, that can help athletes with what's like something small that they can do right away to sort of help build their own brands? Um, one thing that we have told every athlete that we've worked with is that, you know, if you can go out and you can find your 1000 true fans, a thousand people who are really willing to support you particularly financially, that's a huge step. And if you can find those people, you can monetize to them in a lot of different ways. Like we've been talking about with, with Patreons, with, um, you know, viewing your content, with maybe buying merchandise. There's just a lot of different ways that you can take a pre-established audience who is invested in you and then, you know, turn them into, into, a source of income. So I think that's really the most important thing for athletes to understand is that it only takes 1000 people and that they can, um, they can do it too. And selfishly, you know, we think the best way to grow on social media is through video. Um, just because you know, that's obviously what we help out with. But it's also really helpful on video versus let's just say a picture as you're able to build like a much more in depth relationship and connecting with people in the comments, connecting with people who send you DMs, because that person who sends you a DM also might be the same person who signs up for $10 a month on a Patreon or pays for a cameo. Every single person that interacts in your comments is, is a legitimate relationship that you want to build, not only for you know, obvious relational reasons, but also through future monetization options. Okay, great. Thank you guys for uh, you know talking a little bit about your company. I want to ask a bit, a bit, a bit about you guys personally. What is it about being entrepreneurs that appeals to you or draws you in? Uh, what is it about this lifestyle that sort of appeals to you guys and makes you want to, you know, be entrepreneurs yourselves? I mean, I just, just for me, I really like the challenge. Um, I think a lot of times in school, at least what I felt like is it's very much, you know, you're given this information, synthesize the information and kind of push it back to the teacher. And it's awesome you know, to learn and, you know, kind of get experience that way with entrepreneurship, you know, we have to wake up every single day and say, well, what's best for our business. And that's like a challenge every single day. Cause there's a million different, you know, there's, you know, I'll make a task list of like 20 things to do in a day. And you are going to get to all of them. You need to figure out what's most important, how you're going to do it, you know, how you manage relationships with people. It's a challenge. And it's also an opportunity to build, you know, what you want to be doing in the future. You know, I think we're, we're both rising juniors, and in an ideal world that this is what we're doing after graduation. So the opportunity to build something where we're, you know, we're our own bosses and we can figure out and lead the company that we want to be a part of is for me, at least an extremely enticing opportunity. Yeah. And I, I also think that, you know, for me, Harrison is very, um, you know, he's, he's, he's very entrepreneurial and he enjoys that side of the business. I was kind of, you know, taken 
uh, onto this side of the business when we did jumpstart this past summer with Northwestern, which is just a pre-accelerator program for startups. And I learned so much about the business world in this time. And um, I still think that I like to focus more on the creative side of the business and doing the editing and figuring out the videos and that type of stuff. But I've learned so much about the business side through doing this that that in itself has been so worth it. Just learning kind of by trial and error and by experience about so many things that you could be learning in a classroom just as easily. So that's really encouraging personally to have this experience, you know, early on in my professional career to understand kind of how the business world works. Right. And you guys talk about, you know, the daily, the daily challenge of trying to figure out what's best for the business. How has an entrepreneurial mindset helped you both in this way as college students and in growing this company? I mean, I think one thing that really helps and like kind of the number one advice that I give to anybody who's like an aspiring entrepreneur is to find the right partners for your business. For a very long time, I tried doing the whole entrepreneurial thing alone. And like, frankly, it did not work at all. And it wasn't until I found the right partner who was able to, you know, I have a lot of weaknesses and a lot of ways, you know, Matthew has a lot of those strengths and through working together and kind of meshing, uh, you know, both of our abilities at once is the reason why we've been able to get so much done and why we've, you know, been able to grow so fast. So that's, you know, having that open mindset and looking for your partner in a lot of different ways is kind of a lot of our, you know, one of our keys to really growing. Yeah, more on this, how do you balance your, how do you balance your lives as, you know, as burgeoning entrepreneurs and as college students at a university like Northwestern? Yeah, I mean, sometimes those two things actually end up kind of coinciding and coexisting quite well. Like when we have to do something for the company with a Northwestern athlete, for example, maybe very easy to kind of fit that in, go meet them somewhere and film something very quickly. Um, but other times it's very difficult to fit in kind of doing something for the company during your normal day to day, especially once we get actually back on campus, it's going to be a lot more difficult, but there's just kind of, you know, me and Harrison have had these conversations where we kind of just have to say to ourselves, like, you know, here's where we draw the line on how much work we're going to do in a day and, you know, when we should be working and when we shouldn't be. And it's going to be the same thing when we get on, on campus, you know, just having to figure out where those lines are going to be drawn and doing our best to stick to those boundaries that we set. Yeah. And like, you know, at the end of every workday that we had, because we were essentially working, you know, nine to five, some at nine on the weekends is that we tried, you know, when we had the opportunity to, if we have 15, 20 minutes at the end of a workday, just do something fun. You know, even if it was even just tangentially related, like coming up with horrible marketing ideas for, you know, some of our athletes, like just to laugh, have fun, like still think, still keep your head in the business, but also realize like, you know, we're helping student athletes grow on social media. This is awesome. This is fun. It's cool. It can feel like work sometimes, but also like it's an incredible opportunity and we just like want to enjoy the ride. And that's something that's something that Matthew's taught me a lot, I think. That's great. You talk about, you know, wanting to enjoy the ride, but also, you know, you want to keep things fun, even though when, th when things can get a bit uh, harder, when, when, you're, when, when your entrepreneurial uh, grind can start to feel like work, it's, it's important to keep everything light. What is the best piece of advice you've received as an entrepreneur to this point? One of the things that I can remember in terms of kind of getting advice is, is that, you know, a lot of the time, what you're doing in the business world can kind of relate to 
what's going on in in your real life and there are lessons and experiences that carry over from one to the other and sometimes it's you learn something new from you know doing something with your business and it'll apply to your normal everyday life and sometimes it'll be the other way around but we've had those experiences a lot this past summer of you know figuring something out and it, it sometimes it takes time you know it takes you have to be patient and you have to kind of understand that not everything is gonna um, uh, initially like reveal itself to you. But if you stay patient, a lot of those lessons do kind of um, unravel in front of you. And it's really exciting um, to, to see that happen. Okay, great. You talk about some, you guys both talk about coexisting both as entrepreneurs and Northwestern University students, you know, balancing those responsibilities. Has there been something as students that you've been able to take from uh, being a student uh, to uh, your guys' entrepreneurial uh, mindsets that has helped you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I've taken a lot of entrepreneurship classes at Northwestern, and a lot of it, you know, is being able to, you know, have those relationships with professors that carry over. Like, just for example, uh, I had one professor who I really enjoyed, like Heather Ronnie, and like what, you know, what we're able to do in the past and through, you know, my relationship with her in the class now we're doing an independent study for entrepreneurship in the future. So building those relationships with your professors, that's one thing that's like really helped us. Um, but also just kind of taking, you know, different parts of classes, you know, for, for a lot of journalism classes, the number one thing that I've learned is you need to do even more research than you can possibly imagine. For, you know, one article there, you know, saying interview 10 people. And, you know, maybe that's not directly what it looks like for a student athlete, but for them, if they're talking about a subject, go deep on research because you want them and you want you to be prepared as possible as you can for every scenario. Okay, and uh, as, a, as a bit of a more futuristic question, in your guys' future grind, uh, what do you guys still hope to accomplish in this field going forward? Uh, what are the next steps for you guys as a company as you head into the fall of your junior years? Yeah, you know, I think the long-term goal of the company is the biggest student athletes, you know, in the country, regardless of sport, um, who want to make video content, we want to be the ones working with them. And we want to be the ones growing and building with them. And I think that's kind of the long-term plan, but also for us as a business, figuring out, you know, our like, you know, optimal revenue structure, um, you know, because I think, you know, we both have concerns about trying to nickel and dime student athletes and kind of doing it that way. And a lot of us, you know, both of us think that one of our major, you know, past success is partnering up with universities. And, you know, once we have this knowledge, we've worked with a variety of student athletes on how to grow their brand, you know, growing a social media, like just say YouTube channel from zero to a thousand subscribers, doing that three, four videos, because, you know, we properly, you know, optimize that, monetize that, taking that to universities and selling it to them. You know, I think that would be definitely an ideal setup for us just because that would allow us to have as much influence as we can because we're limited if we're, you know, working one off with, you know, specific student athletes. But if we can work with, you know, every single power five, every single group of five school in the country, then that'll be able, you know, for us to expand our influence, you know, significantly. Okay. And, you know, staying on topic of this futuristic uh, question, there has been debate whether, you know, name image likeness is a big deal. Within a couple of years, um, some people think you'll, after the initial uh, interest and explosion in athlete deals, it'll eventually die down when companies maybe realize that sometimes they're not always profitable. Asking you guys, what does the future of name, image, and likeness in collegiate sports look like uh, in a couple of years? 
you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with someone last night who asked me a very similar question. They said, you know, is it going to die down? Some of the aspects, yes, are going to die down. I think the type of deals where it's student athletes who have 1,500 followers and it's, you know, these tiny, you know, pre-supplement type deals where they're holding it up and they're smiling and they're getting paid 50 bucks to do it on social media. I don't think that those type of deals are going to happen significantly, you know, five years from now. Uh, what's really going to happen is a lot of student athletes are going to come into their own as creators and think a lot bigger than just those small deals. And, you know, there's already brands every single day who are jumping into this space and it's evolving so quickly. You know, Built Bars came in and paid for the tuition of every single BYU player. Michigan State alum, you know, came back and hit back with, you know, $500 a month for, you know, basketball and football players. And every single day there's going to be bigger and bigger brands because they haven't been able to, you know, get into this space because they haven't been able to move quickly enough. As we talk with brands, we're like, this is so quick for us, you know, give us a year or two and we'll really be able to invest in this space. You know, we just saw, you know, one of, you know, the Clemson quarterback, DJ Ugalele, you know, be in a Dr. Pepper commercial. And that's just the beginning. And we see bigger and bigger brands realizing, you know, influencer marketing is the future. There's a reason it's grown from 3 billion to 6 billion to 13.8 billion. And it's just going to keep growing because they realize that athletes selling, you know, their product to their company is going to be a lot deeper of a connection than just throwing up an Instagram ad. Okay. And, you know, with everything, especially as big of a, as big of a development name image likeness has turned into be, and the fact that it's already been put into motion, there are, there are traditional, uh, traditionalists who, uh, you know, criticize uh, the implementation of NIL and, you know, they say it ruins the, uh, the ideal of you know amateurism in college sports that's what makes them so pure and that's what di- differentiates them from professional sports uh, what would you say to those critics uh, in, in your terms and you know what what is the benefit of Nil as opposed to you know their criticisms I mean frankly I think if you have that belief that there isn't you know money already in college sports that's kind of being intellectually dishonest with yourself um, there's been many cases already with you know student athletes under the table being paid hundreds of thousands even millions of dollars i mean there have been players who have been taken to court cases and going through their different offers from you know potential boosters from schools there is money in college sports already what we're doing now is bringing it you know above ground um, making it a little bit more public and being more you know regulated reporting to universities and making it a lot more fair in that sense in terms of, you know, they wanted to keep it pure. I mean, I don't really know why that they, you know, have that belief, but, you know, maybe they think that these student athletes shouldn't be brought into the real world. And, you know, to say that that's not already the case is laughable. Um, you know, when they're having hundreds of thousands of people, you know, thousands of DMs from athlete, you know, from random people saying, oh, you're the best or you're the worst. Kind of bringing them, you know, saying that they aren't actually part of the real world, keep them like pure and separate is a joke with, you know, you know, the, all these sports are billion dollar industries. Okay. And as you guys uh, continue to grow, uh, is there one sport you want to focus on? You know, obviously uh, football has a lot of money in it, um, but is there one sport you want to focus on or are you guys just looking to build the brands of any athlete that's willing to uh, take your advice and, you know, want to uh, grow their, grow their brand through digital content and other means. Yeah. So I, I I think what we're looking really right now is that um, kind of what we were saying earlier is that it's really more so the social media following. That's the most important thing in terms of whether we want to work or not, because there's a lot of, um, you know, 
student athletes on that aren't on the football or baseball or basketball team that have huge followings. Alana Walker, a former volleyball player, or she might she might be in her senior year. She might be graduated though, off of Northwestern, had a massive social media following. So, you know, the student athletes who have these followings are not always exactly who you would expect. And also me and Harrison are, you know, we're dedicated to working with a diverse group of athletes from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different sports. And that includes, you know, women and people of color. So we're looking at a lot of different um, factors when choosing who we want to work with and, you know, what kind of content we want to make. So there's a lot out there um, and people shouldn't limit themselves just to the big sports like football and basketball. And that's one more thing I wanted to ask you guys is how do you guys develop uh, plans for brand for branding and growth for individual athletes like you said everyone's different their backgrounds are different how do you determine what types of content uh would appeal to most would appeal most to these uh the potential audiences uh for these different athletes uh, yeah so there's you know there's a lot of different type of content out there um but there's a lot of content that you know a, a a wide array of people can do you know for example like a day in a life of a student athlete of any sport at any school that usually will do fairly well um, if the athlete decides to take that route of you know vlogging or something like that a lot of athletes like to do interviews which is something that's super easy to do you can interview teammates you can interview coaches people who you know within the sport so that's also something that's super easy to do but in terms of kind of individualizing and um, you know, content down. Sometimes the athlete themselves will have a really great idea that they want to try to pull off. Um, sometimes we will brainstorm ideas for the athlete, you know, specific to that athlete, something that they could pull off, you know, based on maybe their interests or their skill set or, um, you know, some other type of factor. So we're always kind of thinking about um, the type of content that we're putting out and, and how well it fits the athlete and, and, you know, how well it fits their audience. So it's always an interesting process trying to figure that out. Okay, and then a little bit more on this. What do you guys see, at, you know, in terms of social media platforms? What platforms are the most helpful or what, is, what, what platforms are best for helping athletes grow their brands and gain followings? Yeah, so, you know, with TikTok, you can post three videos and blow up. Then you can have this huge audience that comes to you really, really fast, get these huge, crazy numbers of views. And that's great for kind of building an initial audience. Um, and, you know, similar, you know, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, all that kind of same, you know, that medium of short form vertical content, you're able to expose yourself to a lot of people at once, which is awesome. Um, but I think if we want to make a deeper connection with the fans that you already have, you know, we really like kind of these longer YouTube videos, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, because if you have a fan who's sitting there for 15 minutes with you, you know, every few days, you're building a very deep connection versus a fan who's, you know, maybe seeing, you know, one or two TikToks a day that's, you know, 30 seconds, you know, it's going to end up being, you know, a minute or two a week versus a much deeper connection where you can point them in different directions and you can really focus on building a brand instead of just, you know, having, you know, you know, TikTok videos that are moving super fast, keeping people engaged. Okay. One thing I one thing I didn't hear you mention is Twitter. Uh, what about Twitter uh, makes it maybe less friendly uh, to grow a brand and gain a following? Yeah, I mean we've you know just kind of in the past with like eight in the box tried you know growing on Twitter. It's really hard to get people to follow you on Twitter. 
one thing Twitter is good for, uh, you know, if you post a video, just the way that, you know, it's shown on people's timelines, they'll scroll past it, can get a lot of views that might be enticing to advertisers, but it's very, very difficult and it requires like a lot of commitment on Twitter, you know, being on there multiple hours a day, tweeting, interacting, instead of just putting out a video, um, which is a lot more authentic um, to grow. You know, I don't think we're, we'd be against and it's a great place for you know to be a starting point to say hey to your fans you know i just put out a new video on youtube and it can direct people to that we see twitter as more of a starting point than an end point okay and, and like you said you know with the with you guys both being in the the digital content social media space and the nil space that's the merging of two spaces that are going to be that are you know relatively relatively new in terms of what their potentials are and how much change they're going to both incur within the next couple of years is going to be massive. So, you know, it's, you, you guys, you guys have a lot of anticipating that you have to do, uh, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see how you guys uh, navigate, uh, you know, navigate these waters and you know, create the best production uh, and content possible for these athletes. Before we get get into, before we finish the episode, I want to talk about uh, what's on the what's on your daily grind uh, for later this year. We talked about your daily schedule, but what's on the schedule? for the rest of the year and going into the next, going into 2022 with this, like in the spring and all that. Yeah. So the plan is that, you know, me and Harrison are, are kind of moving into the next stage, which is, um, you know, hiring a couple of people to help us out in terms of the numbers that we can do. We want to work with as many student athletes as possible. And, you know, the only way to do that is to continue to bring people onto the company. So, you know, that's something that we're doing in these next couple of months. And then on top of that, this these next couple of months are dedicated to finding as many student athletes as possible who are willing to work with us and kind of figuring out what their um, schedule is going to be like and how working with them is going to be. So those are two things, Harrison. I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah, those. you know, and uh, you know, once we kind of have that entire infrastructure set up, you know, we'd love to kind of have that locked in by the end of you know this calendar year going into 2022. As you mentioned, you know, it's all about growth. Our goal is to try to get as much content out every single week, every single day to grow a lot of these athletes or medium followings. Let's just say we work with someone who has 15,000 followers on a platform. We want to get them to 100,000. We want to get them to a million. Um, we want them to go from medium to huge, to explode, to have a following that will last them past graduation. You know, when they aren't playing their sport anymore, in order to have that influence, go from student athlete who's also sort of an influencer to an influencer who's really, you know, trying to set the narrative for, you know, everything that goes on about that sport. Okay, those are certainly some great goals as you guys go into the future. Um, do you guys maybe have a quote or a word of the day uh, that motivates you that can also motivate uh, the listeners of this podcast? Yeah, the, my, uh, my phone background is seek discomfort. It's, you know, all about realizing that, you know, a lot of the most exciting things, starting a business, you know, talking to a client who's, you know, 100 times bigger than you, you know, a lot of them are, you know, just as, you know, just as scared of the space, still trying to figure things out. All these people who might seem huge, who might seem extremely unaccessible, they're just like us, you know, they're still trying to figure things out, wake up every single day, have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, you know, seeking that discomfort, talking to huge brands might pay off a hundredfold versus, you know, just kind of going about your everyday life and taking risks is the only way that you're going to be able to vastly grow very quickly as a company. Okay. And, uh, you know, after the podcast, if our listeners have questions, comments, 
uh, or just want to follow you guys or get in touch with you, how can they do that after the podcast? You guys can shout out your social media platforms and your website if you want. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if you're an athlete or if you're a brand who wants to work with student athletes um, who are, you know, great endorsers of your product and company, you can go to our website, um, eight, the number eight in the box productions.com, or you can contact us at contact at eight in the box productions.com. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, no problem, guys. And uh, I'd like to thank you guys for both coming on this podcast and talking about uh, eight in the box productions. For the listeners out there, if you'd like to check out the Daily Grind and other and hear other special guests that have already been out, uh, listen on your preferred platform. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google. Thanks for tuning into the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website www.kjfwi.org and shop our merch. For Kelly Johnson, I'm Davis Johnson. Thank you guys for listening so much. This has been The Daily Grind. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian. Thanks also to our sports marketing intern, Davis Johnson, 